1: on DAB digital radio, online and on 1089 and 1053 AM. This is Motty Meets, the emperor of fervent football punditry. Majestically sits atop of his sheepskin adorned throne as he holds court with a football legend. Motty Meets on Talk Sport. I'm John Motson, and on this edition of Motty Meets I'm joined by one of the great goalkeepers in English football history. The former Arsenal and England number one, 75 caps, over 1,000 games, David Seaman. Tage again, the shut got. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, save I've ever witnessed live when David prevented Paul Pesca-Solido scoring in the semi-final of the FA Cup back in 2003. We'll be discussing that particular moment in more detail later. But first, David, let's go back to the 1960s. Growing up in Rotherham. Yes. Who were your goalkeeping heroes?
2: Um, I think at the time, because I've always been a Leeds fan, I would be looking at David Harvey but he, he wasn't a tall goalkeeper so you know a little bit later i used to watch ray Clemens. you know like even like with shultz a little bit it was you know the the difference in size was was quite big um you know so i always looked at, at ray and then even bruce grobbler you know because bruce grobbler when he came to liverpool he he really raised the bar on on goalkeeping and and where it was possible to take crosses you know he was sometimes nearly out of his box never mind the six yard box well, you joined Leeds United, managed by Eddie Gray,
1: I think, at the time. First choice goalkeeper there was John Lukic. And you left, I think, a little bit sadly, didn't you?
2: I left very sad, yeah. It, um, I, w- I went there as a kid. I, w- I was at school until Friday. I left on a Friday and I was starting at Leeds on the Monday. That's how quick it went as an apprentice. Um, and then I had two years there as apprentice, then a year as a pro and then, like you say, Eddie Gray, the uh, the manager at the time, I never forget walking into his room and he was saying, "Look, we're going to have to let you go. I want to try and get an experienced goalkeeper's cover for John," and and that was it. And I was, I went home, and I never forget. I cried my eyes out because I was thinking, "What am I going to do now? You know, where am I going to go? I've just had Eddie Gray tell me that I'm not really good enough. So what am I going to become now? You know, I just thought that my football days were over. Well, they certainly weren't. Your next stop was Peterborough. Yeah, exactly. And and the lucky bit about that is that Alan Clark was the manager of Leeds and then he got psyched and that's when Eddie took over. But Alan Clark's assistant was a guy called Martin Wilkinson and he got the manager's job at Peterborough, found out that I'd been released or was available and then he came in for me. So so from being told I weren't good enough, I had a week to start thinking about what I was going to do. Then I got a phone call or my or mum my my and dad got the phone call um, saying that they want to go down to Peterborough. And the first thing I asked to my dad, I was like, where's Peterborough?
1: Well, <laughs> I tell you what, there's still a David Seaman suite at the ground there. So it, <laughs> so it's very much on the map. Oh, yes. yes. It's, it's, I remember opening that. <laughs> <laughs> now, in October 1984, after two seasons at Peterborough, you joined Birmingham City. And I think uh, Ron Saunders may have been an influence on you there.
2: He was. He was a big influence. And um, when I, when I went to Birmingham... You know, it was I'd, I'd had two seasons at Peterborough. And word was getting out of this young guy at, at Peterborough was doing. I was doing quite well. You know, and it was it was a big, big uh, move for me because when I went to Peterborough, I didn't realize how how big it was. You know, and the fact that as a nineteen-year-old lad, I was now playing against fully grown men. You know, fully grown men and footballers that were big and strong. You know, so every time I went out for a cross, I knew I was going to get hit. So it was a great learning curve for me. But then when I went to Birmingham, I was really surprised at how much goalkeeping knowledge Ron Saunders had. The very day that I signed for Birmingham, I signed my contract and he says, right, we're we're going to do a training session. I was like, what? So we're doing a training session on the pitch at St. Andrews with all the press there. I was like, oh, wow. I got no kit with me or anything anyway. So they gave me the gloves and the boots and I got all the kit on. And then he got some apprentices that were there that were taking these shots at me. And I was like, not only was I nervous, I was shattered as well, you know, because of all the the tension of actually signing for Birmingham. And I go out on the pitch and do some drills and that lot. And I was really impressed by his goalkeeping knowledge. But to be fair to him, as soon as that training session was over, he went into the press conference and he just went, that lad will play for England.
1: Well, wow, good <laughs> prediction.
2: <laughs> Only 75 times.
1: <laughs> now, in your first season at Birmingham, the club won promotion to the old first division. But the last home game of the season, uh, I think it was a 1-0 win against Leeds at St Andrews, uh, there was a really serious riot. Yeah. Um, around 500 people were injured. A 15-year-old boy died when a wall collapsed. It was the same day, David, as the Bradford City Fire. Wow. I so that, that that was the yeah. mid eighties. It was a bad yeah. time
2: for football, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. I I do remember the game and um and I remember being aware of trouble in the crowd. Um, you know, the the Birmingham fans and Leeds fans fighting and then the police going into the to the Leeds fans and then, you know, people like trying to get away. And then that's where the wall fell up fell down and obviously killed the little, the young lad. Um, and it also flattened one of our players' cars. You know, we saw we saw what had happened the next day, and it, and it it wasn't a pretty sight. But it was a it was one of those games where it was good for us because we were getting promoted. But then it was soured by the death of the uh, of the young lad. Well, after the uh,
1: first season or only season in Division One, Birmingham actually were relegated, and you were soon on the move again. Joining Queens Park Rangers, two hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds.
2: I know, yeah, that's right. You know, it was and it was strange, you know, because I was only what about 22 twenty-one, twenty-two-ish, and, and I'd gone there, and to go up was brilliant, but then to come straight back down. But then before I got, I knew, you know, I'd, you know, I'd realized that we were getting relegated. I was I was being sold to QPR, and uh, you know, it was a it was a great move for me. The only downside of the move to going to QPR was that. But they were still on the plastic at the time. So my first season at QPR was on the plastic pitch, which was as hard as this countertop. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. And Jim Smith, uh, I
1: think, was manager there at the time, wasn't he? Now, you ended the 1987-88 season fifth in the old first division queens park rangers one point above arsenal
0: so <laughs> we'll really? come on too
2: shortly <laughs> you were london's top club wow i didn't realize that <laughs> but that, that's good yeah we we added, we had a decent team then and um you know from from the transition to, from the plastic even the great Alan brazil played at QPR when I played with him in, in my first season at QPR. You know, we used to travel down from Birmingham together and uh, and I always remember then obviously he had he had his back problems at the time and then he, he retired. But then moving on from that, we had, we had a pretty decent team and like you say, you know, to finish fifth and be the top London team was brilliant.
1: Was it around this time that you struck up a friendship with Bob Wilson?
2: Yeah, it was because Bob was full-time goalkeeping coach at Arsenal and then I managed, I think it was through Don Howe, that managed to get bob to come over to QPR and do one one day a week you know so that was like for i think my second or third season no third season at QPR and it was brilliant for me because he was the first guy that I'd ever had that was was not my coach but the goalkeeping coach you know, like I said before, like Ron Saunders knew a, a lot about goalkeeping, about positioning, about about going down the line or dropping back and then reactions and and a lot of good drills. But Bob was different. He was a guy that would give you confidence in training. You know, not just in games, you know, it'd be we would do drills where you had to make a worldly save to make, to get out of the drill. But even if you made that after like two or three shots, it'd be like right, out. So that you finish the drill on a high, you know, and your confidence stays high. So to have Bob for my last two seasons at QPR was brilliant. And then the move happened.
1: Well, yes, but while you were at
2: QPR, you made your England debut, didn't
1: you? Yeah. Uh, I think this was in, against Saudi Arabia and Riyadh.
2: Uh, no, <laughs> Saudi Arabia away. We flew out by Concord. <laughs> we flew back by Concord, which diverted to go around the pyramids so that we could see out the window. Part of the deal with, with England was they were sponsored by Ford at the time. So, new debutants got an XR3i to, to drive around in for a year. And I was like, wow, this is a great life, this. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually,
1: um, Bobby Robson was manager. And yeah. I think a lot of people probably won't remember that you only missed out on the 1990 World Cup, you know, Italian 90, yeah. because I think you
2: broke your finger. I broke my thumb in training. So, I was third-choice goalkeeper at the time. And I was out there for probably about the first four games. And, um, and I always remember, we was in training, Paul Parker hit a shot at me and I, and I saved it and knocked the ball away. And I was getting ready for the next guy to come through on a shooting drill. For some reason, Paul decided to kick this loose ball at the goal, kicked it at the goal while I wasn't looking and it just hit me directly on the end of my thumb and broke it. And like you said, I don't, I'd only just signed for Arsenal at the time. You know, So there was there was big worries because the Arsenal doctor was also the England doctor, Doc Crane, he says, right, we need to go to the hospital, get x-rayed, and went there, showed it was it was broken. He said, right, we've now got to go and see George Gray, who was obviously going to be my new manager. Yes, your new manager, because,
1: of course, it was in 1990 that you moved, wasn't it? Yeah. Now... Obviously, you became a, a cornerstone of of that Arsenal back five, I and mean, we will go on to all the achievements in a minute. But I think we should mention Dixon, Adams, Bold and Winterburn. Oh, I mean, yeah. goodness me, <laughs>
2: what you what know, back four that is. Yes, you know, yeah. and it, it and it was, and it, and it weren't by fluke either. It was by hard work and and dedication and a lot of teaching with George Graham. You know, George Graham drilled that back four probably two or three times a week and we would be doing the back four against eight attackers and me behind them, you know, and they they wouldn't get through. They very, very rarely got through and uh, and tested me. They were, they, they were that good, you know, but it, but like I say, it wasn't by fluke, it was by sheer hard work. Now, your first season there, in fact, you won the league under George
1: Graham, didn't you? Only one defeat all season against
2: Chelsea. Yeah, that's right, you know, and and like you said, John, it was my first season and to have replaced my, my friend in John Lukey was a massive season for me because what happened was when I was at QPR, I went to go and have uh, talks with Arsenal and the transfer fell through because John didn't want to leave. You know So then I had to go back to QPR for the last, I think it was about the last month or so of, of the season you know, so I got a bit of stick and then there was like a momentum change of the fans singing that they don't want to lose John Kick. You know, they were like, we all agree, Seaman is, uh, Luke is better than Seaman. You know, they were singing songs about me and everything. I'm thinking, oh no, you know, little did they know I'd already signed for the club. You know, so the pressure was building and then I had to go there and I just wanted to, I wanted to try and show what I could do. You know, and my, I remember first, my first game in England for Arsenal was a friendly away at Wolves and uh, pre-season friendly, and I did okay then, and then eventually I won the fans over.
1: Well, in that first season, 1990 you played all 38 league games in that championship winning side. You also reached the semi-final of the FA Cup. I mentioned that partly in passing, because it yeah. was
2: the Gaza goal at Wembley, wasn't it? It was. It was the, the uh, how do I say it? It's the game that I, I turned up at, but I never played. Because <laughs> I had a bad game, you know, by, by my standard, you know, Gaza's free kick. I always feel I should have saved that, and then even Gary Lineker had a chance when he made he made it three one, and it like I had what we call chocolate wrists on it. My my wrists weren't strong enough at all, and it, you know, but it it was it was a, a memorable game because Arsenal hadn't played Tottenham in the semi final of the FA Cup for a long time, and uh, you know, and it was that Gaza free kick which he never ever lets me forget about. Mind you, you got your revenge over Spurs in an FA
1: Cup semi final two years later, and Merson chips it in, and in came. Terry- And Arsenal have taken the lead Anderton Oh and Seaman had to make it And he did It came off his own player It was a wicked deflection And the goalkeeper makes a vital save Tony Adams scoring the winners This was a 93 when Arsenal won both the Cups The League Cup and the FA Cup at Wembley
2: Yeah that's right You know, And it was a big relief when we actually beat Spurs You know to um, get revenge for the, the first semi-final. But then to go on and beat Sheffield Wednesday twice was brilliant, especially for me being a Yorkshireman from Rotherham, which is right next door to Sheffield. You know, I've got a lot of my friends that were Sheffield Wednesday fans and, you know, they were giving me a lot of stick until we actually played them in the final.
1: This is Motty Meats on Talk Sport with David Seaman. Now, Arsenal were moving into European territory, weren't they? I mean, uh, you won the Cup Winners' Cup beating Palmer in Copenhagen. and it Was was that a big step forward when Arsenal started to mix with the uh, best and biggest and best in
2: Europe? It, it was a big step forward. It was a step that I don't think that the team that we had out in the final wasn't really ready for. It's just that the back four again were doing their stuff because I think Palmer had people like Zola, Brolin, Espria. But the thing that I remember the most of, of all about the game is when we arrived there, there was a podium at the side of one of the stands and it was obviously the podium for after the game and it had winners Palmer written on it already and the lads saw that and we were like oh really? Obviously they'd just got a little extra piece of wood that they were going to slide in in case we won it but um, it was great motivation for us but uh, I remember us catching I think it was a Espriot we caught him offside about a hundred times in that game you know so gave us a good breather. Well, in fact, you reached the final again the following season, but by now, George Graham had been sacked. Yeah.
1: Stuart Houston, I think, was caretaker-manager when you went to the Parc des Princes in Paris. Yeah. Um, and it was Zaragoza. I know. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, so, I'm sorry, David. <laughs> I can't but,
2: believe you're going to say his name, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you. I mean, the, fa- the fans used to chant it,
1: didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Naive, naive oh, yeah. from the halfway exactly. line. What happened?
2: Oh, well, it even spurs. They had a I mean, fanzine magazine. <laughs> Invented over that mistake, saying one flew over Seaman's head. That was that was the name of the magazine. Um, yeah, what happened? Well, to be fair to Naeem, though, he he, he meant that. All oh, right, it was a bit of a fluke, but he actually meant to do it because he he'd done it a little bit earlier on in the game where he tried it and it almost hit the corner flag. You know that he decides to do it in the last minute of extra time. You know, I'm I'm thinking of penalties and I just, I just knew I was struggling and it was swerving in the air. I got my feet mixed up it goes in and I'm thinking, oh God, why me? You know, and, and, you know, little did I know that there was going to be another one that was very similar to it later on in my career.
1: Well, we'll go there later <laughs> because by now you had
2: established yourself as England's number one goalkeeper.
1: Um, you played in that match in Rotterdam when England's World Cup hopes for yeah. qualifying for, for 94 collapsed. And, of course, Graham Taylor had his row with the uh, with the, re- the the referee over the Ronald Koeman yeah. incident. And then, of course, I remember two other games around that time, going to uh, play San Marino when
2: they scored in nine seconds. No, and we, I, was, I was thinking we need to win by at least seven, mm. on, only if Holland didn't do very well in their game. And then, like you say, after so many seconds, Stuart Peer sends me a short back pass. The guy nipped in, took it round me, and we were one nil down in less than a minute. So it wasn't the best of starts. No, so we didn't make USA ninety four, no, but what right. we
1: did make, of course, and this is a, a centerpiece in your in your distinguished career, Euro ninety six. Yeah. Uh, now you must have really enjoyed that for just, all sorts oh, of reasons.
2: Just great, great memories, John. You know, you know, not only you know was it in England and and we were playing at, at the old Wembley. You know, just the way that the tournament went. You know, we we didn't start very well. I think it was Switzerland, and we had to end up with a one-one draw. Then we've got to play Scotland next, and we're thinking, "Oh no," you know. So we needed to win that game, and you know, obviously, I had you know quite a big influence. Now let's
1: just stop there for a moment <laughs> because everybody remembers Gaza's goal yeah. against Scotland, but a lot of people don't remember. It was only two minutes earlier. <laughs> You'd saved a penalty from Gary McAllister.
2: Exactly, and it was Tony Adams that gave the penalty away, and it was a blatant penalty. Um, and I remember getting up thinking, oh, no, you know, because we were 1-0 up at the time. I was just hoping that I'd get a chance of saving it. And then when I saw it, it was Gary coming up, and Gary had had a few penalties against me before, and I knew that he, he changed his sides. sometimes he hit it hard, sometimes he placed it, and I weren't too sure what, was, what he was going to do. So I just waited and then waited. And then, to be fair to, to Gary, the ball did start to move a little tiny bit. And I think that's why he went for pace, and he hit it so hard that I'd already decided which way I was going to I was going to dive to my right and he hit it that hard that I couldn't get my arm out straight to stop it so I just stuck my elbow up which was like the quickest way of stopping it luckily it caught caught me right on the end of the elbow flew over the crossbar and then the next thing I remember is Tony Adams just running up to me and giving me a kiss on the cheek and he got a real bristly chin it's Gary
1: McAllister this week oh save by Seaman well, well done. Well, so we beat Scotland two 0 Then, of course, the game against Holland when Shearer and Sheringham were yeah. on fire four one. But now let's get to the quarter final against Spain because now here yeah. you were really under the microscope—a oh, penalty yes. shootout.
2: Yeah, penalty shootout. But in a game where we were all, you know, we were lucky to stay to stay in the game. Um, you know, because Spain, Spain had—I think they had a goal disallowed for offside that wasn't quite offside—and um, and they were on top a lot, but. Uh, but then to go to the uh, to the shootout and and I remember like I think one of them missed and then it came down to my save and it was against Nadal wasn't it and I remember the commentary about the Beast of Barcelona and then the next scene but if you watch if you watch that footage, when I make the save, I don't realize for probably about what two seconds that that's the deciding penalty. So I make the save and I get up. And as I get up, I look and I can see all the lads just bombing over towards me. And then I realise and, you know, I throw my arms in the air and then we just, you know, we just had a great time after that. So after all that excitement, how how disappointing was the... Oh, uh, also, of course, this is another penalty shootout, the semi-final against Germany. Yeah, it was. It was really disappointing because we knew that we were so close. It was a great night as well. It was, you know, we We played well. Germany played well. And I think... You know when it went to extra time and then penalties, it was it was like kind of the fair result, not result, but a fair conclusion to go to penalties, because both teams were playing really well. You know we had Gaza's chance, yeah, we had Darren's chance, Darren Anderton's chance where he, he I think he hit the post. You know Gaza was inches away from from getting us through because it was golden goal time, were not it? Then it was. It was frustrating, but then I'm thinking, oh here's a chance of glory again, you know, because the goalkeepers are in a, a win-win situation in a penalty shootout. You never really get blamed for if you let a penalty in. And I, I just remember, I, I actually touched one of the penalties, you know, and that was like fingertips. They were so good at their penalties. They were experts, weren't they? Yeah, They were, you know, and they had the confidence of taking the penalties and they would pick a spot and they could hit it, you know. Unluckily for us, you know, we, you know, we had... Um, Poor Gareth coming up, and uh, you know when I saw him coming up, I was thinking, I've never seen him take a penalty in training, you know. So I was surprised that he was coming up to take one, you know. But he he'd shown the bottle, you know. He he put his hand up, and you know. So you have to respect him for that. But you know, obviously, uh, he missed the penalty, and we were out. And it was it was such a strange feeling after after all that had happened in Euro '96 that as quick as that you're out, and that's it, you're done.
1: It was a strange, strange feeling. Well, within a few months of Euro '96, Arsenal had a new manager. Yeah. Tell me about the first impressions and impact of Arsene Wenger.
2: So when when we found out that Arsenal had signed a lot of the players, including me, we went like, "Arsene who?" Because we'd never heard of him. We knew that Glenn Hoddle had mentioned about him before, um, and then when he came, we saw him and he was this guy that looked like a, you know, he looked like a teacher or a professor. You know, he didn't look like a a manager or you know coach or anything like that but then as soon as we start we we met him and then we had training sessions with him and he came in and he just changed everything about arsenal the way that we trained the way we played you know we we even had like tony adams and steve ball playing out from the back which was never known but not only that the nutrition side of it was just phenomenal we were watching the French lads, people like um, Patrick Vieira and Manu Petit, Gilles Grimondi, Remy Gard, Nicolas Henelka, eating so much food before the games. They couldn't believe it. We were thinking, how are they going to run around with all that food inside them? But we were watching them, and they were hardly ever tired within 90 minutes. So, a lot of the players then got on the on the diet, and just noticed a massive difference in their games as well. You know, but they were they were lasting the whole the whole 90 minutes a lot better. You know. And, To be fair to Arson, he put a good two or three years, eight, three years, on that back four's careers. Cutting out the drinking? Cutting out a lot of the drinking. You know, we're still English. We still sneaked a few. (laughs) But the Tuesday Tuesday club got abandoned straight away. The Tuesday club was out, right. Now,
1: in his first full season, 97-98, you won the double. Yeah, uh, one point ahead of Manchester United in the Premier League, and always nice to win at Wembley. You beat Newcastle United.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's great to win at Wembley, but you know to do the double was so special. It was, it was, it was quite special for me as well because Bob, Bob Wilson, my coach you're my full-time coach now at Arsenal. Always used to remind me, yeah, but I'm the only, only goalkeeper to have won the double at Arsenal. Of course, you know, So we used yeah. to have a bit of banter going on about that and uh, it was brilliant to equal um, his achievement you know, when, when we did that. And like you said, to, to cap it off with um, a win at Wembley against Newcastle was brilliant and, and not for Shearer to score past me.
1: There's Parlett. Looking for Anelka. Oh, the flag stays down. Can Anelka take it on from here? Nicholas Anelka! is that going to clinch the double well now you were you were flying on all cylinders you were winning the league you were winning the cup you're the established england goalkeeper and that meant of course the 1998 world cup in france yeah and the the uh, infamous match i suppose i should call it against argentina
2: yeah that's right you know and it was it was a it was a strange world cup you know because we we played okay and then we we get a chance of of playing Argentina to go, you know, into into the next knockout stage. Yeah. And I remember that everybody just felt really tired, you know, and Glenn had got a lot of guys around him, like doc- club doctors and nutritionists and that. And, and we all. a lot of the players needed like a vitamin boost. You know, luckily that's what a lot of the players did because the game went to to time and then it went to penalties. And, and I remember, I think, I don't know whether it was the second or third penalty I actually saved one and then I think it was Paul Inns came up afterwards and it was a great chance for us to like really stand mm. by our authority in the shootout and Paul's penalties I think it was saved wasn't it yeah and then yeah. David Batty of course wasn't yeah. it the last one that's right yeah. yeah so it was really disappointing and you know and especially against Argentinos you know it's a team that you always want to sure. you, you always want to beat them yeah, we should also mention Michael Owen's goal, of course, which yeah, uh, went down very in history young as Michael yes, Owen. a very young, yes, man. you know that was <laughs> that was amazing for him to be involved in that game and then score a goal like that was just amazing, you know. But we'd seen that in training, you know, we knew what he was capable of, you know. But to actually do it on a stage like that, on a World Cup stage against Argentina, was just phenomenal.
0: Hold up. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
1: This is Motty Meets on Talk Sports with David Seaman. Now, you were playing in finals nearly every year of one sort or another, David. You had now got this reputation of being a, a big match goalkeeper. <laughs> Arsenal got to another final in the UEFA Cup in 2000. Now here again we come to penalties
2: because yeah. the the Turkish team Galatasaray uh, beat you four one. I know. Yeah, it was that was another one where you go into that game or go into the shootout, I should say, as and thinking I've got a chance here. You know, I've got a chance of of, of making glory um and yeah and it just wasn't to be sometimes there is an unstoppable penalty you know and sometimes you guess right and sometimes you guess wrong and normally I can guess right you know but I, I remember against Galatasaray it was um you know they, they ate some good penalties but I always, I always used to say that I had this secret of how to save penalties and all it was John is I just used to on the way the attacker approached the ball at what angle he ran at the ball dictated to me which way I was going to go and I just went as soon as they put their head down to look at the ball I moved so that they couldn't see me moving and that was it but whenever I got a chance of saying anything about it in the press I said I got this secret theory (laughs) just to try and get into the strikers heads seems to work
1: to me (laughs) so four years after Euro 96 we went to the championships again uh, in Belgium and Holland this time Quite a memorable, one memorable game game because we beat Germany one 0 Beat Germany, yeah. Uh, after beating Scotland in playoffs to get there, yeah. Uh, we beat Germany with uh, Alan Shearer scoring. Um, I believe you're quite proud about your performance that day, David. Yeah. Rightly so.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a great. It was a great day because it's, it's always nice to to beat the Germans, especially after Euro '96. And I remember the game being really tight. You know, Alan scored, but the biggest memory I've got is the England fans in one of the stands. They were singing and jumping up and down that much that you could actually see the stand flexing, you know, because they were just, they were all jumping up and down together. It was just a, a great sight. But then you're thinking, hang on a minute, it was like quite worrying because in case anything happened, but. Fortunately, it didn't. But they, they certainly made a lot of noise that night.
1: Well, that was a, a, a good night for England. But what wasn't such a good night for England, or for you, actually, was when we lost to Romania in yeah. the third group game, 3-2. Now, I had to check this out,
2: actually. I, I'd almost forgot. I gather you were injured in the warm-up. No, I was. I remember it well. And uh, I remember going out with Ray Clemens, doing my warm-up. And I was literally a minute at the end of my warm-up. So it wasn't like I wasn't warmed up. I'd done all all my, my normal drills and then i just said to ray just knock a few more balls at me you know just like directly at me and he knocked one at me and I, along the ground and i just leant over to pick it up and i just felt my hamstring go you know and it was it weren't like just a little pull it was an actual like a tear you know And i felt the sharpness of it and i was like oh no i said to ray, i said i think i've just pulled my hamstring and ray was like what he went getting straight away and you know let them sort you out and i went into the physio and um and i'm saying look i think i think my hamstring's gone and they told me to do some stretches on it. And every time I did the stretch, I was like pulling up in agony. And I was, and I said, Look, I can't do it. I said, I can't go out there and then all of a sudden know that I can't take a goal kick or anything. And then that's a substitution gone, you know. So, luckily or unluckily for Nigel Martin, he had to, he he had came to be in. ready straight away. Yeah. You know, it was hard because it was near the end of my warm up. So, this was at about probably only about 15 minutes before kickoff, you know, that he realised that he was going to be playing. And we lost three two,
1: um, and England's fortunes now a little bit of a dip. Well, coming on to the two thousand and two World Cup qualifying campaign, we played our last game at Wembley, didn't we? the old Wembley yeah. against the Germans. Against
2: the Germans, yeah. And and I remember that well, you know, because it was a. I remember a, it was Hamann had a he had a free kick just outside the box, and it was a very like wet day, rainy day. And I remember him hitting this ball, and I knew it was going to bounce right in front of me. And, and on an angle, and I did, and I, and I just thought, try and get something behind it. But as I tried to get something behind it, it just lifted off the turf a little bit more than I than I expected, skidded off my glove, and it, it went into the goal. And uh, like you say, that was the last game that we um, that we played at Wembley. And also, then what happened after that was that uh, the manager Kevin Keegan decided decided to uh, re- to resign. Uh, uh,
1: reportedly resigned in the toilets and re- yeah immediately after the oh, no, game. It's true, I was there. Yeah. Well, I was I was, yeah.
2: I was there to witness that. You know where I can remember him having a chat. I think David Davis was there as well, and I remember them talking. And he was saying that I've took it as far as I can. And then I, as I like walked past, I realised what he was saying. And I was like, I, and I remember saying to him, "I said, I think you're making the wrong decision, mate. You know, he, but he'd already made his mind. You know what Kevin's like, stubborn, when, very stubborn." Love lovely guy but a stubborn guy but but a guy that knows what he wants and he and he just felt that that, that was the right time. Anyway,
1: things turned because uh, Sven Yorn Eriksson took over as manager and a year later we played the return in Munich against Germany. Oh yeah. A game I'll always remember fondly, one of the best England performances I saw as a commentator. Yeah. I mean what what can you say?
2: Five one. Five one and in, and you know, in a game where where Germany were good. You know they were a good team at the time, and then for us to go there, and I think it was at one one. I had I had a save to make, and I remember that I was struggling with a shoulder injury, and I made a save. I think I don't know whether it was from Yanka, down to my right, and it and I remember it going out to, for a corner, and then I remember thinking, oh please take your time with the corner, because my shoulder's like really aching, and I just had to like move it around a bit to warm it back up or get it moving again and uh, anyway that that happened and then so that that was at 1-1 and then only went to score another four beckham scores again now
1: heskey's to his left unmarked. emil heskey could it be 5 yes it is this is developing into one of the most memorable performances that an england team has put up in recent years
2: it was so good but we couldn't really celebrate because we that was on a i think that was on a saturday night we had a game on the Wednesday. Yes, you know another game, and that was up in uh, up at Newcastle for England. And I think I can't remember who it was against, but it was. Um, you know, we were like told, like just be careful, you know, because we we knew that we had a, an amazing result. Yeah. You know, we wanted to celebrate a little bit, but we just had to be very careful.
1: That season leading up to the World Cup, David, two thousand and one two, you had one of your very few ongoing injuries I seem to remember I mean you, you Arsenal won the league and cup double in that season but you only played 17 league games yeah and in international terms Nigel Martin I think played in six of the last seven prior to the finals because of your injury
2: yeah that's right you know I had a, I had a shoulder injury that kept reoccurring um, and it was just a case of trying to get to the finals you know so um, yeah that's 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 why I didn't play and you know and and in 2002 i'm getting you know i'm getting a little bit older <laughs> so we should say you know so it's taking a lot longer to recover you know that was one of the good things with Arsene Wenger he was brilliant at he knew what sort of injury it was how old you were meant how long you were going to be off he was so detailed in 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 things like that you know he just he was brilliant at stuff like that you know so the, but you know every time that i i was back fit he always put me straight back in Yeah, well, rightly so, I think. Uh,
1: Cup final time again, of course, we should mention two. The cup final was being played at Cardiff then. 2001, Arsenal lost 2-1 to Liverpool, two late goals by Michael Owen. Yes. Uh, But the following year, um, you played against uh, Chelsea at the Millennium and you won the cup.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I remember that well because Cardiff was was strange. It was a strange place to play, but it was a great atmosphere in there. It was nothing like Wembley. No, I enjoyed it, I must say. But it was a, a great atmosphere. And then we also, I think we played the, another one later on against Southampton with the, with the roof on. And it was an, an, a totally different atmosphere again. But, but to, to beat Chelsea, I, mean, I remember in the FA Cup, all the games leading up to it, Richard Wright played all the games. And then we got Chelsea in the final and then Arson said, you're playing in the final so you know you can imagine richard wright's attitude you know, after cause he, that because he deputized for you he, in all the earlier rounds yeah yeah, was, yeah we were at the stage you know like where mm. they were rotating the squad sure, sure, you know and richard was always playing in the fa cup but then as soon as we got to the final he was like no i'm playing my strongest team and Great. we went out there and won it you know and so it was justified cup. and
1: won the cup so it, yeah. so
2: it was so you
1: went off to japan and south korea on a fairly yeah. uh successful note now um well, we're going to have to come on <laughs> to this david to, uh,
2: uh, no, <laughs> well let, let's let's
1: just remind people what happened we in the group we drew with sweden we we beat a argentina david beckham yeah. of course Penalty, made up for what yeah, had happened before yes yeah. in in that indoor stadium in sapporo the sapporo dome Then we drew nil-nil with Nigeria, which I think looking back meant we weren't in the easiest part of the draw because we beat Denmark 3-0 in the first knockout round. Yeah, And then we went to Shizuoka. And of course, it was Brazil in the quarterfinals. Michael Owen gives England the lead, 23 minutes. Now, just before we get on to what happened later... Am I right in thinking that towards the end of the first half, I know Rivaldo equalised for Brazil. Yeah. Did Gary Lewin, the physio, come on the pitch and give you some treatment?
2: Yeah, because I, I went up, a ball got knocked in. I think it hit one of our defenders and popped up in the air. And then I came out and I shouted keepers and Sol was was there. And he because I shouted keepers, he didn't jump, but he didn't move out of the way. So I ended up going over his back and almost like flipping, but my head hit into the ground and then my legs came over the the other side of me and like really if i'm honest it didn't at the time it didn't hurt you know and i I just i knew i needed treatment but all it had done is just like hyper extended my bike but i was i felt i was fine though i didn't get any pain after the treatment we went in at half time and i still felt okay You've never made that as an excuse for no, what happened it later. wasn't, John. Because I, I wasn't. You know, I carried on. If I, if I, if I knew that I was injured, especially in a game like that, I would have come off. You know, there was no doubt about it. But I, I felt fine. You know, but it, it was one of those, those uh, challenges or, or incidents where you think, oh, when you see it, you know, because like, like my back, like went the other way. But honestly, I was fine.
1: Well, you were fine until, until. of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the
2: fiftieth uh, minute and
1: Ronaldinho's free kick. Now, before you give me your version of this, which obviously <laughs> yeah. what you're here, what what we want to hear, I must tell you that there was a tremendous argument in the BBC commentary box about this goal. Right, I've never seen anything quite like it in my time as a because I went and joined uh, the, the pundits in the in the uh, studio at the end of the game, and Alan Hansen and Gary Lineker was insisting it was a freak, Ronaldinho's free kick. Ian Wright... And I've got to be honest here, because I'd seen him score one in Brazil, not dissimilar in a club game. Right, Ian Wright and I were trying to suggest <laughs> that it, perhaps Ronaldinho right, yeah.
2: had spotted where
1: you were and had yeah. meant it. Oh, no. right. well. well, that's my <laughs> version. Now, now we'll get the
2: real yeah. version. Well, I wish you'd told me about the one that you'd seen before. <laughs> <laughs> I might have stayed back on my line a little bit more. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I remember... I, I remember him knock, knocking the ball in, and then I was thinking, "Hang on, this is not this is not bending like I'm thinking. It's going to be like a cross." And so I've gone one way, and then I've tried to get back the other way, and I've just got stuck. And I remember thinking when the ball was going over my head, I was thinking, "Please hit the bar, hit the bar," because I knew it was going to be close. And then I just heard it hit the net, and I was like, "Oh, you know the feeling that I had inside. I knew it. I knew it had gone in." And people, even today, they still ask me, "Did he mean it, or did he, or was it a fluke?" And I says. And I always say, it doesn't matter. It still went in from about 40 yards out. So, for me, it's a goalkeeping mistake. Straight after the game, Gilberto Silva came out and told me he didn't mean it, but you know, it still didn't matter. You know, so people still debate because he's actually said that he meant it. No. Yes, he did. You know, so, it's, yeah, you know, I, this is what Gilberto said. Gilberto, g- of course, an Arsenal colleague of yours, yeah, yeah, who was, yeah, who played for Brazil. You know, so he, um, you know, whether he's trying to be kind to me or not, you know, but I'll take his answer. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. it was a fluke. <laughs> you've, you've, you you've,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you've always answered those questions very honestly. I seem to remember that one of the first people you rang went after that because you were pretty devastated. Yeah. You rang Bob Wilson, your mentor. And your coach, yeah, and I remember him telling me that you how emotionally upset you were. I
2: was, yeah, and I'd and I'd never um, like had those feelings as bad as that because I remember even well after the the uh, Ronaldinho scored the goal, we'd still got about half an hour left of the game, you know. And then now I'm thinking, come on, lads, you know, get me out of this. If we score and get an equalizer or whatever, then it, it's not as bad. But obviously, then the game finished. But I remember during the game thinking to myself oh you know what about what what happened with david beckham when he gets off the treatment that he got for that you know what's it going to be like for me when i get home after this mistake you know even so stuff like that's going through my head while we're actually playing and um you know luckily i didn't have a great deal to do afterwards but we lost the game and then it weren't until i started walking out towards the england fans because i was at the opposite end to them and i started walking up to them and i saw saw them all cheering and you know, the, the, then I was like, oh, God, you know, it just, it just felt that I'd let all them people down. You know, and I remember, I remember David Beckham coming up to me, Ray Clemens, and Sven came up to me and said, so, and I can't tell you a word of what they said because I just don't remember what they said to me.
1: Well, it wasn't all down to that goal, Dave, because England didn't play particularly well in the second half against ten men, because yeah, by now Rondinho right. was sent He'd off. Been sent off, yeah. But I seem to remember there was some criticism of Sven's half-time team talk, that quote about um, we needed Churchill and we got Ian Duncan-Smith, which I think Gareth Southgate has half-admitted since then. Yeah. I mean, just trying to leave your that goal on one side, it was a quarter-final, we were in the lead. Should England have done better overall in that game?
2: I, I felt we should because like, we had a good team. We had a good team at, at that stage, and like you say, when when uh, Ronaldinho went off, there was still quite a lot of time left, you know. And we didn't we didn't seem to create any chances. It wasn't like we were like bombarding their goalkeeper or or their penalty area. We just we just seemed to lose idea of what we needed to do, and you know, and like what you said with with Sven, it was for me it was always difficult that the fact that we have got a Swedish guy that wasn't a big strong character anyway. You know trying to motivate you in the dressing room it just for me it just never worked you know when you think of the managers that i've had in like bobby robson and terry venables and glenn Hoddle and graham taylor kevin keegan you know all them they're massive motivators you know and but like when when it was sven it was just totally different and and, and nowhere near the same this is motty meets on talk sport with david seaman
1: Now, we move on again internationally because uh, the next thing that happened was that England, of course, had to try and qualify for the next European Championship. Your international career was coming towards a a close. Two more games for England in the qualifiers for that next tournament. Um, A 2-1 win against Slovakia. And a 2-2 draw. I was at this game at St Mary's, Southampton. You drew 2-2 with Macedonia. And that proved to be your last international.
2: Yeah, it was. And Number I remember, 75. Yeah, I remember Macedonia scoring directly from a corner as well. Um, I'll never forget that. You know, the the guy hit that ball with so much power and bend. And I remember, I remember watching it afterwards and I saw Alan Hansen absolutely hammering me, saying that I was old and I was past it and my feet never left the ground. But when I freeze-framed the actual ball when it went over my head and then into the top corner... I was like full stretch and my feet were like two and a half nearly three foot off the ground you know so it just annoyed me a little bit that he'd hung <laughs> me out to dry but you know I knew that it was coming towards the end because of what happened in Brazil against Brazil and then you know I weren't playing my best stuff for England and I was coming towards the end of my uh, my career with Arsenal and uh, i never forget I remember Sven phoning me up and just saying that like the next squad I'm going to leave you out I'm going with the other goalkeepers and you know, it's a day that you know that was my last day, but it was a day that I would never retire from England. You know, I still no. haven't retired from England. No, no, <laughs> you no, know, It's not. I'm not. I'm not one of those people. I would play for England any day sure. or night. You know, but I was just, yeah. It it was a sad time.
1: So the England career was over, but your club career yep. wasn't. Uh, 2002 three season Arsenal again, notoriously good in FA Cup uh, football in those days, of course. Uh, reached the final of the FA Cup semi-final and played Sheffield United at Old Trafford.
2: Yes. Now I'm going to make a <laughs>
1: confession here. You've made a couple. I'm going to make one here. I was commentating and Sheffield United who played pretty well, I think Warnock was the manager. That's right. They yeah. were on the attack and the ball was in your penalty area and there was there was a I, I felt I saw a Sheffield United player stab at it. Yeah. And, I, and I I think I probably realised it was Pesca Solido. And then I didn't know what had happened. <laughs> it happened so quickly. The ball went off in another direction. And I'm sitting there in the commentary box thinking, what well, what happened there? Well, fortunately, by this stage, of course, commentators were getting replays, and then when I saw the replay and saw your save, I I thought, "Oh my goodness, I didn't do that justice."
2: Well, you did. You did it quite well, actually, because I remember your commentary. Because, like, I remember then on the on the replay, you were like, "Wow, this is all about Seaman," and it was just brilliant.
1: Page again. save breathtaking Pesca Solido thought he'd equalised
2: for that save to be you know which was undoubtedly my best save that I ever made you know? you'd put it that high yeah I would yeah you know because it was a it was a different save it, like you say the ball came I think they had a corner and the ball came over and it ricocheted from side to side that's right a couple of times and then it, it ended up with, with Pesca Salido, probably about three yards out you know and he tries to get ahead of, and he ends up getting like a header shoulder on it and it's now gone, it's behind me, so I've now got to like arch back, but I know it's like right on the line, so I'm thinking I can't just push it, otherwise I'm going to push it into the net, um, so I end up like getting my hand behind the ball, then realising I've got to scoop it out, and I scoop it out up into the air, and I think it's um, it's Phil Jagielka's coming in for the rebound, thank God he absolutely just skied it straight over the bar, Otherwise, that save would have never got remembered, John. You know, it
1: well, was just one of those things that... It's in FA Cup folklore, David. You were 39 <laughs> at the time. It was actually
2: yeah. your 1,000th game. Yeah, that's what I was told. I was told it was my 1,000th competitive game. And, and and another funny story about that is that after the game, Paddy Kenny came up to me and he says, oh, do you want to swap shirts? I was like, yeah, swap shirts, no problem like that. And signed it, safe hands, David Seaman. And then on the way home, I got a phone call. He's like, have you got your shirt? And I was like no why well it's, you've made that save it's your 1000th game and I was like oh no and in the end I ended up phoning Paddy and I says look Paddy I says do you, you mind it, if Dad? you yeah. yeah and I said to him look I'll send you two shirts and a pair of gloves and all that and to be fair to him he, he sent you oh, it back it's a great guy good good now your last act almost for Arsenal and this is
1: yeah. another, another high which we was in the FA Cup final where you beat Southampton
2: 1-0 um, you were captain. Yes. And that meant you lifted the trophy. I know. And it was it was a really strange game. You know, we, we win it 1-0. I had quite a decent game as well and had a good save to make. And then at the end of the game, Patrick Vieira was injured. That's why I was captain, because I was vice captain for that season. And um, so I was I was the captain of the day. I, you know, presented everybody before the game, which was brilliant. You know, I'll never forget it. You know, I've always been on the other side of that, you know. You know, and then to do it I didn't know it was gonna be my last game for Arsenal if I'm honest. Um but after the game I went up to Patrick, I said and he Patrick had got his suit on and I said to him, We're gonna lift the trophy together and he's like, No, no. He says, No, it's you you're captain, you you go, it was your day. I went, No, we're doing it together. He's like, No, no and I said to Patrick, I says, If you don't go up, I'm not going up. He's like, Really? I said, We go up together. He's like, Oh, okay, okay. So when you see the photos, it's me and Patrick. Patrick's in his suit I'm in my, my goalkeeper's jersey with my armband on. And, and it was a great moment. But like you say, I say, I didn't know it was going to be my last game for Arsenal. At that stage, John, I was, like I say, I was 39. I would always sign a year's contract. I finished the game. I went on holiday to Portugal. And uh, Arsene Wenger phoned me up. I remember it clearly that I, I was on the beach in Portugal. He phoned me up and says, David, I've got an offer for you. And I was thinking, oh, okay. He said, I want you to be my number three goalkeeper. And I was like... Oh wow! And then he said, "But I want you to be my goalkeeping coach." And I thought, "Oh, that's because it was something that I was interested in." Obviously, having yeah. having had Bob, and realizing what he did for me, I, w- I wanted to pass some on. And then and then Arsene said, "He said, but there's a seventy five percent wage drop." And I and I was on the beach and I just started laughing, and I said, "I said Arsene, I said, look, you know what I'm going to do? I've got two other clubs interested in me. I've got Birmingham City and Man City." You know, and, Man and City with Kevin Keegan. Man City with Kevin Keegan in the new stadium. And I just thought, well, you know, I, and I said to Arsenal, I, I still feel I can play. So that, that that will be my choice. So that was it
1: for Arsenal and David Seaman. 564 appearances, nine major trophies, three league titles, four FA Cups, one League Cup,
2: the European Cup Winners' <laughs> Cup. David, what did Arsenal mean to you? Oh, it meant everything to me. And it, and it meant that, the decision that I made was justified because when when I was at QPR, I wanted to go and see how good I was. In I went to Arsenal for less money than I was being offered at QPR, so I took a pay, a wage drop to go and play for Arsenal. You know, but I knew that if I went to somewhere like Arsenal, I would be tested, and there was a great chance of winning trophies. and And it was just, it was a fantastic time, to, not not just to be a player, but to. To go to Arsenal and win things, you know. People people come up to me all the time and say they just shake my hand. They say thanks for all the memories.
1: As you just said, you signed briefly for Manchester City under Kevin Keegan. You announced your retirement in January two thousand and four at the age of forty. Yes, did, did that seem to you
2: to be the the kind of landmark moment to go, so to speak? A little bit, yeah. I, I was I was ready. Um, I went to Man City and it didn't go as well as I wanted it to go if I'm honest yeah I wasn't playing my best football and I remember we were we were playing away at Wolves and the ball was down the other end and I was stood there just watching and then I just had this feeling I was like what am I doing and that's the first time I'd ever had any feeling like that about calling it a day and I just thought that's a sign. The next day, I used, to, I used to rent one of Kevin Keegan's apartments off him and I used to live next door to him. So the next day I went round and I said, look, I've, we need to have a chat. And I, and I said to him, I said, look, I'm going to retire in the summer. you know." So he had like quite a bit of time to line up another goalkeeper. And then uh, 10 days later, we played away at Portsmouth and uh, I went down at Yakubu's feet and I, my knee dug into the turf, which then swung me over and my shoulder hit his knee. And Yakubu's a unit. Oh, yes. <laughs> so my shoulder wasn't going to win anyway, I came off that game because I was badly injured. I had the uh, the scans and the X-rays and saw that it was going to be like two or three months. you know I'd, I'd sprained the AC joint so that, that meant there was a chance of it dislocating. and I didn't want to finish the game with a really bad injury and I said, "Look, I'll call it a day." you know And he said to me, he says, "I've got a chance of getting David James I said, "You get him and I'll retire." and that's how quickly it came around. Well,
1: that was 15 years ago, David. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, people are going to say, well, what else has David Seaman done apart from fishing in those... F-
2: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fishing, a lot of golf, ice skating, you we, know. We
1: know. We know that you're success at yeah, that, Yeah,
2: I, I, I still ice like skate now, you know. Me yeah. and my wife, Frankie, we skate every week, you know, but... Uh, yeah, he's been 15 years happily retired, mm-hmm. you know. And people say, "Oh, do you miss it?" And I can honestly, honestly say, I don't miss it one bit. Well, I tell you what, it's been—it was a great career, David. I must say that, thousand
1: um, games and 75 caps, and goodness knows how many trophies. And <laughs> it's been a great pleasure talking to you, seeing you in such good fettle. <laughs> <Yeah>. And um, <laughs> thanks for joining our program. Pleasure, mate.
2: I've really enjoyed it. Thank you
1: the undisputed world heavyweight champion of football commentators in another knockout interview motty
2: meets on talk sport
0: hold up